In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I'm happy to be with you in this blessed diocese with my beloved Father, His Eminence Metropolitan Serbian, and His Grace Bishop Abraham, and His Grace Bishop Kirillus, with all the blessed fathers, and with all of you. And I'd like to thank His Eminence for giving me the opportunity to be with you and to discuss together this very important subject in our ministry as Sunday School servant right now. Because the fact is, whether we like it or we don't like it, uh, some of our youth are struggling with this sin. And I classify them into three groups. One group, they want actually to say it is not a sin, it is alternative lifestyle, he should accept us as we are. The second group, they know it is sin, but they don't want to repent. They are not willing to take the steps of repentance. And the third group, people who are not, they, they actually know it is sin and admit it is sin, and they want to repent, and they need the help of the church. So we, as Sayyidina said, the church is a hospital. So how can we deal with these different groups as Sunday school servants? And also, uh, how can we answer questions? Some people will ask us questions either in elementary school or middle school or teenagers. Uh, how can we answer these questions in addition to prevention? what we can do to prevent this from happening. The first point, how to prevent this? Because prevention is better than treatment in general. And here just I'm going to highlight some points quickly. As Sunday school servants and also as parents, because Sunday school servants should cooperate with the parents of the students, the importance of having a spiritual rule or a spiritual canon, regular prayer, regular reading the scripture and living by the word of God, attending the church, fasting. Fasting is very important because fasting teaches self-control and fighting sexual sins and addictive sin actually needs a lot of self-control. How to have this spiritual canon or spiritual rule from such early childhood, this is actually very, very important. Why it's important and how this contributes to the prevention? Because to prevent any sin, you need the grace of God. When actually I am abiding in God and God is abiding in me through my prayer, through the scripture, through the liturgy, communion, confession, all these things actually, Satan will not be able to deceive me. Satan will not able to attack me. Even if attack me, I'm protected because I am in the hand of the Lord. Also, another important point, importance of repentance and confession. And we teach our children in elementary school and middle school how to start confession. And what is confession? We cannot separate between confession and repentance. Confession is not just chatting with a bone and that's it. No. It's a life of repentance. I'm coming, taking responsibility of my sins in front of God in the presence of Abu. Another point which is very important in prevention 
importance of exposing early thoughts of temptation. Exposing early thoughts of temptation. Sometimes we are ashamed or afraid to expose these things and we are afraid to be labeled, so we hide it. But as our fathers taught us, exposing the thought weakens its strengths. We need actually to encourage our children to expose early thoughts, because many cases, if they expose the early thoughts and if they get the right guidance, it will not be developed into a sin later on. Another important point, very, very important, from their childhood, they need to learn to respect the authority of the scripture and the holy tradition. Why I'm saying this is very important. The confusion that's happening right now, whether it is a sin or not a sin, whether it is a sin or alternative lifestyle, all this confusion comes from where? Because we don't go back to the truth. We don't reference the truth. And where is the truth? The truth is in the Word of God, in the Church, as St. Paul said, the Church is the pillar and the ground of the truth, and also in the holy tradition of the Church. I need to submit to the authority of the truth, to the authority of the Word of God, the authority of the holy tradition, the authority of the teaching of the Fathers. That is very important. When we disagree, is it a sin or alternative lifestyle? Who will tell us you're right or you're wrong? The Word of God. This is very important. Nowadays, they try to bring new philosophy or new logic to justify these sins. Maybe somebody will ask me, you said the church is the pillar and ground of truth. That's what actually St. Paul said in his letter to Timothy. So what about the churches that are now blessing the same-sex marriage? And what about the churches that consider this as alternative lifestyle? The claim that the Spirit of God has led some churches to accept homosexuality as an acceptable alternative lifestyle is without any scriptural basis. There is no scriptural basis for this claim. God is not an author of confusion. So definitely, it is not the Spirit of God who is revealing a new truth right now, who is revealing that it is alternative lifestyle. 2,000 years ago, it's a sin. Now it is not. God is not author of confusion. So it is not the Spirit of God revealing a new truth, but rather it is human spirits who are yielding to the pressure of the society. Here, very important to plant in our children, those in elementary school, those in middle school, to respect the truth in the scripture, in the church, in the holy tradition. Also, to plant in our children how to be strong and to stand against the peer pressure against the pressure from the society. As Sayyidina explained, the society now are pressuring in schools, in media, in movies, everywhere, everywhere around us. They are attacking the truth in the scripture, the, the absolute truth of the scripture. Yes, 
we need to go against the pressure of the society. There is one word or one question very important. Are we willing to suffer loss and persecution when we stand against the pressure of the society or not? The Lord told us, you are not of this world. If you are of this world, the world would love you, but you are not of this world. And he told us, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, carry your cross and follow me. So are we willing to carry this cross? What if I'm going to lose my job if I testified for the truth and I did not yield to the pressure? Am I willing? Am I willing? Our fathers, they were martyred. They shed their blood. And not even in our time, like uh, the martyrs of Libya who are celebrating their uh, feast in a few days. Are we willing to suffer loss in order to be witnesses for the truth and for Christ or not. We need to plant this as Sunday school servants. You need to plant this in your children. And also, people, when we start to speak about homosexuality, they will tell us, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. But when we point out what the Word of God says about certain conduct, we are not judging them. It is the Word of God that is judging them. That what is the word of God is saying. It is a spirit of love when you see somebody going in the wrong direction. If you really love and care about this person, you need to tell him that's a wrong direction. Love is corrective in its nature. Parents among you, when you see your son or daughter going in the wrong direction, you will correct them. Why? Because you love them. So there is no contradiction between correcting and loving. Also, we need to help our children, whether in primary school or middle school or high school, how to cope with the challenges and how to cope with the stress. Whether it changes in their homes, unfortunately, we serve many children coming from broken homes or challenges in school with friends. How to cope with this? As we know, one of the very important reasons for same-sex attraction, when there is a barrier or separation, psychological separation between the son or the daughter with the parent of the same gender, especially from year 5 to 12, if the son did not identify with his father during this time, or the daughter did not identify with her mother during this time, then when they go into adolescence, they want to discover this world because this world is mysterious for them. And during this time, the hormones and the sexual instinct is growing within them. This will turn into attraction to the same sex. Definitely, we need to teach parents how to connect with their children at this age and to help give them the love and acceptance. But what if the father is away or he's not responding or the mother then as a church we need actually to teach Sunday school servant we need to teach our children to get their needs through their personal relationship with God through the cloud of witnesses around us through making the church a therapeutic atmosphere to give these needs and to satisfy the needs definitely we cannot replace the father or the mother but at least how they can cope with all this pressure and stress around them. Also, 
as Sunday school servants cooperating with their parents, we need to watch for early signs of same-sex attraction, like behavior, like their grades, because usually with the same-sex attraction or any deviation from the right way, there will be drop in their academic achievement, their church attendance, their spiritual life. We need to watch for these early signs. Also, early signs including for boys, for example, the way he is dressing, the way you know, he chooses his friends. For example, from age 5 to 12, usually boys like to play with boys. Girls like to play with girls. But if I see a boy at this age preferring the company of girls, this can be a red flag. I'm not saying everyone, it applies to everyone, but this can be a red flag. If uh, also he prefers company of older women than older men at this age, if he's regarded by peers and by others like feminine, and also there's a certain language they are using and uh, certain application for dating with gays and homosexual. If I see these apps on their phones, then this can be an early sign I should actually think about it and consider and how to talk with the person, talk to him in a compassionate way. They say confrontation can take three forms when you confront somebody. Can confront the other person as if you are interrogating him, as if he prosecutor interrogating person. This type of confrontation doesn't help. Or the second type is like interviewing, like in, in the shows on the TV when interviewer is inviting a guest and interviewing him. Again, you are not interviewing your son or your, your student here. But the, the best way is how to connect with him and love and speak the truth in love. How the Lord Jesus Christ confronted the Samaritan woman. He confronted her with compassion, with love, but he told her the truth. But how he told her the truth? He told the truth in love. The man with whom you are living is not your husband. So he did not interrogate her. It was not just like interview, but there was a connection in this confrontation led her at the end to go and say, this man told me all what I, I did in my life. Maybe this is the Messiah. And she repented, and this was a turning point. All these points, I need to keep them in my mind as prevention, as Sunday school servant. How to plant all these principles in our children? What should I do as a Sunday school servant if he is already involved or heading toward this attraction? What should I do? We classify stages of change into six stages. Our approach is different in every stage. I, I'm going to mention what are the six stages, then I will take stage by stage and I tell you what should we do as Sunday school servant. The six stages of change Number one, not willing. He's not willing. Number two, dreaming. He knows he needs to change, but it's impossible. So it's just like a dream. Number three, willing. Now he wants to act on. Number four, acting. So from willing, it became act. 
Number five, persevering or struggling. Not once you start to act, you will repent. You know, it's a journey. And number six, overcoming. So how can we deal with our students? If he's not willing, if he is dreaming, if he is uh, willing, acting, persevering, and at the end, victory. Not willing. I'm gonna just mention points quickly. I want to know why. Why he's not willing. Many times the reason is wrong belief. He believes nothing wrong with him. The society made him believe it is acceptable alternative lifestyle. And here the discussion will be, what is your reference? We are saying it is sin and you are saying it is alternative lifestyle. What is the reference here? We need actually to agree. Who tells us? Who is the judge? Who can tell us who is right and who is wrong? That's why I told you in prevention, the authority of the scripture and the holy tradition is very, very important. Another reason why he is not willing, because he believes that change is impossible. It's impossible for me to change. Or he believes that he is born in this way, or created this way. I'm going to discuss this point by the way. Or the difficulty of denying the reality of my feeling and my attraction. I heard it from some youth. I'm not making this up. I really, really feel attracted to the same gender. Why you want me to change? Just believe me. This is one of the reasons. The reality of his feeling and attraction. That's why he's not willing to change. But when actually I am tempted with the same like of anger and I lose my temper or unforgiving spirit, all these feelings are real. When I have unforgiving spirit, it's a real feeling. When I hold grudges or angry at somebody or disappointed somebody, it's a real feeling. It doesn't mean because it is real feeling cannot be changed. No, it can change through the grace of God. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Another reason, his need to such a relationship, the love and the acceptance that he did not find in home or with friends, now he is finding with this group. And he needs this love. He needs this acceptance. Like if a person who is very, very hungry and holding a sandwich that actually is not good, is not healthy, but he's very hungry. If you want to take this sandwich from him, he will refuse because he's very hungry. But if you provide him with a plate with healthy food, he will throw away this sandwich. So again, when you tell him, just compromise, end this relationship, are we providing that for his needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, psychological needs, or not? Also, we should not ignore the addictive nature of this sin. Most of the people who are addicts, they are not willing to change. And here the principle that I explained more than one time during these two days, the principle of do not enable, do not empower them in the wrong direction. The only thing actually that helps people to break the addictive nature. And the example is the example of the prodigal son. The Lord Jesus Christ in this parable, he said a very important word. He needed to even the pods of the swine, but no one gave him. No one gave him. Think if the father sent him some money and some food to tell him that I love you. Do you think this boy would return? No, he wouldn't return. 
So sending him money or food, what we call it enabling, we should not enable them, we should not empower them in the wrong direction. When they suffer the consequences of the sin, the addictive sin, they will come and seek treatment and seek help. Discuss the reasons with him when he tell you no. Ask him why. And when you ask him again, don't ask him in a judgmental way. Talk with him, keeping in mind how the Lord talked with the Samaritan woman. Even how the Lord talked with the Simeon, the Pharisee. He talked with him in a very gentle way. When Simeon started to judge the sinful woman and to judge the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord started with a story. There was a man who has two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and other 50. He met him through some leading question to actually examine himself. When we confront a person, you need actually to discuss the reason in a compassionate way. And these people actually need the prayer and prayer and prayer and prayer. Just pray with them and for them. You can give them some research if they like reading. If, for example, they argue about it is just acceptable alternative lifestyle, ask him to do a research from the scripture about homosexuality. Maybe when he starts reading the scripture and do a research by himself, this can lead him to the truth and to the repentance. These are some points to help those who are not willing. What about the second stage? Dreaming. People who are dreaming means they want to change. But why they are dreaming about it? Because they feel it is impossible. So in this stage, hope is very, very important. How to give them hope in God and share with them stories, real stories of recovery. And there are many, many real stories of, of recovery. People have transformed completely. This will give them hope. What's impossible with men is possible with God. I can do all things in Jesus Christ to strengthen me. And let them know that there are two crowns. There is a crown for victory and crown for struggling. As long as I'm struggling, even if the victory is delayed, but as long as I'm struggling, I'm accepted before God. And God will count all these struggles for my sake. And he will crown me for living and struggling against them. Encourage them, support them, let them move step by step. For example, you can tell them from zero to ten. Ten completely recovered, zero completely away. Where are you? He may tell you I am one or two. You can tell him what you can do to move from two to three or two to two point five. Take them step by step. Give them hope. Because when I give him a small hope, and he will achieve it, this will give him encouragement. Then I can take him another step, and another step, and another step. Hope and encouragement is very, very important in this stage. Third stage, which is willing. I am willing. Again, they need encouragement and hope, but they need to set clear goals. Sometimes I'm going to quit smoking. Okay, that's good. But what are the steps? You need to help them to set clear steps and clear goals. Because just saying, setting a goal very, very broad like this can be misleading. 
So set clear goals and clear steps. And during this time, they need a support system. And when I speak about support system, I speak invisible support system and the visible support system. The invisible is the grace of God, the cloud of witnesses. As St. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, since we are surrounded with this cloud of witnesses, then we can struggle against sin. The grace of God, the cloud of witnesses, and the visible support system through a healthy community in the church or in the family. They need actually a support system. How the church, godly friends from the church, Sunday school servant, the family, should be supporting the person who is willing. And also in this stage, help them to set practical action plans. The fourth stage is acting. Now they start to execute these plans. You need to support and encourage them again. And follow up in this stage is very, very important. Whether he is executing the plan, does he have the self-discipline and self-control to execute this plan or not? If he relapses, it's not the end of the world. Discuss with them the challenges and why did he relapse and how to overcome and support them to rise again and to move to the next step. So follow up and discussing the challenges. When we do a plan, when we execute this plan, I will meet some challenges. How to overcome these challenges, how to cope with them. Also, they need to learn how to be patient with themselves and we should be patient with them. God is patient with them. Patience in this stage is very important. We should be patient with them. I shouldn't tell him, you know, we try together as if I'm giving him a message, it's a hopeless case. No, no, that's not right. And they should be patient with themselves. And also in this stage, forgiving oneself. The feeling of shame and guilt and embarrassment. How to forgive, how to accept the gift of forgiveness from God. God died on the cross to give us this gift, to make us righteous in Him. He carried our sins so we become righteous in Him. And the blood of Jesus Christ wash all our sins, purify us from all our sins. I hear many youths tell me, I know God forgive me, but I cannot forgive myself. This is a trap from Satan, because if he doesn't forgive himself, he will fall into depression, then he will seek any kind of pleasure, and the easiest kind of pleasure will be the sexual pleasure. The fifth stage with is persevering. Gain support, then give them hope, and celebrate the victories in the Lord. Because celebrating the victories in the Lord, this means there is achievement here through the grace of God. This will be a motivation. This will be encouragement. Sometimes we are afraid from the vain glory. That's why I said, in the Lord. David, in many, many songs, he gives thanks to God and he praised God because he delivered them from the pit. So we need to celebrate this thanksgiving to the Lord, veneration to the saints, and the spirit of thanksgiving and gratefulness to the Lord. This actually will strengthen his bond with the Lord. And follow-up also during this stage is very important. The last stage, which is 
victory or recovery, complete recovery. Again, in this stage, thanksgiving and praise, watchfulness, because Satan will try to make you trust yourself and then he will set a trap so you will fall and relapse. So watchfulness is very important in this stage. That's why humbleness. You know the story of St. Macarius when he saw the traps of the, of the devil and he heard the voice, the humble will be saved. So humbleness. And he should know this victory is from God. Without the grace of God, he wouldn't achieve this victory. And joy in the Lord. And also serving when they are ready. The best people to serve, people who are suffering from same-sex attraction, people who are recovered, but when they are ready to serve. One of the very common questions, did God create us this way? Again, he will bring to you many scientific researches that speak about the gay gene and about how we are born this way, etc. I want to tell you, unfortunately, many scientific researches are pressured by the society and the politics, and they are not true, they are false. I'm sure a few years ago, during the time of COVID, all of us, we saw how many scientific researches are against each other. Some people say vaccine is helpful. Some people warn us from taking the vaccine. You know, many things are coming from very, very respectful universities. That's why you need actually to see the credibility of this research. There are researchers coming from universities saying marijuana is good and has benefits and nothing wrong in using the marijuana. Why? Because there is a political pressure to legalize it. According to paper published by Cambridge University, I have the reference, explaining why is so much scientific research likely to be false. That's what the university said. So much scientific research are likely to be false because of the publication bias. They want to use this to support something. And the lobby, as Saeed explained, and the politics and the society now actually pressure universities. And they fire people when they say the truth. They fire people when they say the truth about science. So we need actually to check first the credibility of any research paper. Again, I'm emphasizing the authority, the infallibility, and the inspiration of the word. As his own spokeshenoda says, if there is contradiction between science and religion, this means the science is not developed yet. Science change, but the true science and the true faith don't contradict with one of the important studies is a twins study. They said if it is genetic, if same-sex attraction is genetic, then the rate in identical twins should be 100%. It's impossible to have one homosexual and the other not homosexual. I'm speaking about the identical twins. And according to a study done by Bailey and Pillard, they did a genetic study of male sexual orientation. They found that only 50% of the identical twins are homosexual, but in 50% they are not. According to their research, they said it is because of similar 
environmental, familial, societal influence. And it was decided in this study there is no genetic determination. But they choose a small pool of people. So a later study done by King and McDonald, he found the concordance is 25%. They took a larger pool of people. Not 50%, but 25%. So there is no genetic determination. If there is genetic determination, 100% of the identical twins should be similar to each other. Then there was a study by Hammer in early 90s. He mentioned that they believe, they believe that they discovered the gay gene on X chromosome XQ28. But he did not say for sure it is a gay gene. He said, we believe. So a later study done by a researcher, his name Ben Neal. He's the director of genetic with the Stanley Center of Psychiatry Research at the Board Institute of MIT and Harvard. About what he said about the X chromosome XQ28. He said, this is a natural a normal part of variation in our species. It is effectively impossible to predict an individual sexual behavior from their genome. So actually, he disapproved the study about the gay gene by him. Another person, his name Michael Boroneski, he is a professor of the practice in media and activism within the Committee on the Studies of Women, Gender, and Sexuality, and the author of A Queer History of the United States, said about the gay gene, that's his comment about the gay gene. He said, why is this even a question? And why are you doing this research? The genetic part of it, even if there are things people can discover, seems to me to be a minute aspect of the complexity of how people are sexual. It seems to me like doing an analysis of a great novel focusing on the commas and periods rather than the themes. That is comment about the idea of the gay gene. Are we born this way? No. Is it 100% my choice? No. Maybe you'll be surprised from what I'm saying now. People are not 100% born this way. And for most of them, it is not 100% their choice. What do I mean by not 100% their choice? There are many contributing factors, like how they grew up, if he is exposed to trauma, especially sexual trauma in his young age. So there are many contributing factors. But it is 100% their choice to get treated. So to get treated or to refuse treatment, that is their choice 100%. Like if I'm born with congenital abnormality, it is my choice 100%, and let me assume it is treatable 100%. It is my choice 100% to choose to be treated or not. They have the choice to repent and to get treated. Is it treatable? Yes. There are many, many stories of real recovery, but it depends on their willingness to walk in this journey of 
repentance. As Sunday school servant, you may ask, what is the appropriate age to start introducing this issue? And how can it be introduced at home? And how can we make sure that we are not telling our children or exposing our children to something they are not aware of or telling them something wrong? I think you can start speaking about sexuality and same-sex marriage from very, 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 very young age. Let me explain what I mean by this. For example, when you speak to your children, even two or three years old, God created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve is the first marriage. So here, marriage happened between Adam and Eve, male and female. And leave it at this. But here you are planting in their mind that marriage is between a male and female without getting into very complex or complicated issue. You need actually to explain the marriage between male and female when you read with them four, five years old, six years old, Matthew chapter 19. From the beginning, God created them male and female. And what God joined together, no man put asunder. In Matthew chapter 19. So you can just make a comment for these little children. So God created male and female. So marriage between male and female. And if he heard in a movie or cartoon or that a family, two fathers or two mothers, and come and ask you, can tell him, number one, our authority is the scripture. Let's open Matthew 19. In the beginning, God created them male and female. Then anything other than this is wrong. So here you are teaching them two things. The authority of the scripture. How when they learn something wrong, where to go to find the truth about it. And also you are teaching them that marriage is between a male and female. Very simple. Just let's open the scripture. And I insist on let's open the scripture. Because maybe you can give them the right answer. But why open the scripture? To give them a message. When I'm confused about a subject, where should I go to find the answer in the word of God? So here you are teaching them the authority of the scripture. Another very important point. Make them proud of their gender. Make the boys proud that they are boys. Make the girls proud they are girls. And teach the parents to do this to their children. Parents who belittle females or parents who don't like boys because they are hyperactive and, you know, sometimes we give them wrong message and they don't appreciate their gender. When you pray with your children, let them say, God, I thank you because you created me a boy, because you created me a girl. I am proud that you entrusted me to be a girl glorifying your name. Make them take pride, not in sin or to celebrate sin a whole month, but let them take pride in their gender. Also, take the boys into the world of boys and the girls into the world of girls. I was visiting a family and a little girl greeted me so I told her, Zach, Habibti, then the parents already know he's a boy. I was very upset. They grew her, her or his her like a girl. This will cause a gender confusion. They are confused because people in school 
neighborhood. They will treat her as, sorry, treat him as a girl. And she will be confused whether she is a girl. He will be confused whether he is a girl or a boy. Let them dress as boys. Let them dress as girls. Let them play with boy toys. Let them play with girl toys. Take the boy into the world of boys and take the girls into the world of girls and let them proud of who they are. Proud not in arrogant way and not in a sinful way, but proud that God entrusted me with this gender and make me glorify him as a boy or as a girl. And plant in their mind not only the authority of the scripture, but who is the final judge? Who will judge us? As St. Peter in his sermon in the book of Acts, he said, God will judge the world through the man that he raised from the dead, Jesus Christ. The truth is that the Lord Jesus Christ revealed to us in the scripture, he is a judge. The judge is not this society. The judge is not the media. The judge are not the lobby of the LGBTQ. The judge is God. I know that in the last day I will give account to the judge who revealed the truth in the scripture. Make sure that the house and the church, the home and the church, fulfill all their needs from love, care, healthy connection with the parents. That's very, very important. Love, care, acceptance, and healthy connection. As Sunday school servant, you will be asked, why is same-sex attraction on the rise within our Coptic community? Is this due to social influence, media? What resources can help us? There are two theories here. One theory says that there is no rise, but people now, they speak openly about it. They don't hide it. But another theory saying, no, yes, people are speaking openly about it, but in in reality, there is a rise. And I can tell you, as a person served here for more than 30 years, no, there is a rise. It's not just people speaking openly about it. And there are many reasons. It's legalization, people who push for tolerance, social media influence, the media and the brainwashing for our children, even in the schools, the social trends, model, school and education, and poor parenting. Now, parents are very, very busy. Both of them are working. Both of them, they don't pay attention to give and to nurture and to fulfill the needs of their children. And weak spiritual lives. So there are many factors contributing to the rise of the number. If I think that my teen might be same-sex attracted, how should I talk to him about it? He mentioned this subject several times. I'm getting concerned. So how to address this with a teen age who actually attracted to the same-sex? Number one, build a strong Christian bond of love with him. In order to help somebody, there has to be a bond of love. Then actually, the importance of strong spiritual life. 
Because this is a foundation that will help him to repent. Before addressing the same-sex attraction, address the, his relationship with God. Sometimes when a person is doing a surgery, they tell him, no, we cannot do the surgery now. We need to adjust your blood pressure, you need to adjust your blood sugar, we need to adjust these things first. So what is the foundation here? If I speak to somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God about repentance, no, he has to, to start developing spiritual life. They go hand in hand together. And then you need to agree again, I repeat this, agree on a reference, the authority of the scripture. If I have wrong beliefs, who will correct these wrong beliefs? The word of God. And you can ask him a question like, what would you do if Satan tempted you to try this experience? So I'm not accusing him that he is trying or practicing, but just asking him, what would you do if Satan tempted you to try this experience? And you need actually to discuss with him the importance of exposing the thoughts and the warfare in very early stages. Give them hope for recovery. Also watch for their behavior and discuss the feeling and the relationships with them. Another question, a couple of women got married next to our house and they are very nice. My kids are asking how they are sinners. They are very nice. And again, to answer such a question, what is your reference? Who is your ultimate judge? Where you can find the truth? There is difference between morality and spirituality. Morally, you can be very nice, very kind, very loving, very compassionate. But spirituality is about your relationship with God, abiding by the truth. So it's not necessarily that a person who is nice, then he is correct or he is walking in the true way. Many youth believe that they should not overreact. They say, just you are overreacting and make this issue a big deal. And instead, we should have tolerance. How can we address this and explain that this should not be the social norm? It still loves those with same-sex attraction. There's a question here. Are we overreacting? Is this overreaction? Let us go back to COVID. What was the right reaction to COVID? We saw people are dying from COVID, cases on the rise. Even many people who suffered, survived COVID, are left with permanent health problem. How the whole world reacted? Can we say the reaction of the world is overreaction? What if the world did not react to COVID at all? What would be the case today? When the world reacted to COVID, does this mean they hated the people? When they put us in isolation, did they hate us or they protected us? The hate here was directed to the virus, but there was a protection for the people out of love. In the same way, we see and we know for sure that people are dying physically, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally from same-sex attraction. These are facts from statistics. And others are suffering and living a miserable life. And the cases are growing. And the spread is fast. 
the country, the media, the schools, everything around us support this, support this destructive sin. Then, are you asking whether we are overreacting? Or we try to protect the people? We try to, to help them? What you call it overreaction, it is because of the love toward the creation of God. We want them to live the abundant life, as the Lord said, I have come to give them life and give it to them more abundantly. Definitely, God and the church love the homosexuals. And that's why God wants them to live a better and abundant life. This is not hatred. This is actually Islam. When we stand against sin and we say it is sin, this is love, it's not hatred. Hatred is directed toward the sin, not toward the people. Another question, I have a former Sunday school student who has identified as a transgender and is already living the lifestyle publicly. What's my obligation to pursue them or reach out to them? Yes, there is obligation here. It's obligation of love. He's your son or she's your daughter. Pray and pray and pray. Then establish a bond of love and care. Check on them and follow up with them. Motivate them. Correct wrong beliefs. Establish with them a strong spiritual life. Follow guidelines of recovery, like connecting with oneself, connecting with others, quitting completely. And ask the guidance of a Buna, an ungodly Christian therapist who believe in the truth and believe in the liturgical and sacramental life of the church. I give all this title, godly Christian therapist who believes in the truth and believes in the liturgical sacramental life of the church. Because unfortunately, some therapists, they say, go and watch hetero sexual pornography, it will help you. The Lord Jesus Christ said, a demon cannot cast out demon. So the demon of pornography cannot cast out the demon of same-sex attraction. Cannot. In my daughter's school, the teacher had the children read story books about same-sex marriage. And they have to read it and to test on it. All the books are about the same topic. My daughter is very upset. What should we do? Parents should go and talk with the principal and tell them you need to, to respect our belief system. If they insist, and I don't know what's the legal right here in California, do you have here uh, legal rights here or not? But I think we should speak up and say this is not acceptable. Now I am actually supporting Coptic schools, virtual Coptic schools, and homeschooling. Because schools now, uh, yeah, that's a testimony from a school here. So schools can be very destructive to our children. Maybe the Coptic schools, virtual Coptic schools, and homeschooling can be a solution. But again, it is a short-term solution. We need a long-term solution how we stand against this lobby that's forcing this on us. Our role in the election is very important. 
but I will leave this to Sayyidna, he can speak more about it. I'm not speaking about to support certain party or another party, but we should have a rule in, in election in order to try to bring this country back to the Christian principle. This country was founded on Christian principle. The founders of this country was very, very Christian and biblical. And now all this is lost. We have a responsibility here as a believers, as citizens of this country, to bring this country back to the Christian principle and the biblical principle. How can I handle this topic? Same-sex attraction to the toddlers and elementary children. What are some main points I can mention to help them to be aware of this issue at school? As I said, you can just speak to them from very early age about marriage, men and men, make them pride in their gender. Be proactive. You as Sunday school servants work with the families. Also, importance of sex education and life of purity here in the church. Again, importance of sex education and life of purity here in the church. Strong spiritual life established within the sources of the truth. How can I address the subject of transgender to junior high class? The children usually in this age are quite argumentative. I will give you some point quickly. When you discuss this with the class, you yourself, you need to, to relax. Don't be on the defense. Just relax. Just give them some principle, biblical principle. God made humans male and female. Individuals are born either male or female. But some people get hurt and confused. Some people, they don't like the way God made them. As a result, some people wish they were the opposite sex. But in reality, nobody can really change from one sex to another. Just make it simple for them. And keep the dialogue with them. Ask them question, where did you see that? Where did you hear the word of the other junior high? Why do you think God made us both boys and girls? Why God did not create all of us on gender? What do you think transgender means? Do you think a boy can really turn into a girl? Just keep a dialogue with them and keep it truthful. Again, the truth in the Bible, God made us in his image. Sin entered into the world and spoiled everything. Some people get really hurt and confused as they grow up. But God loves us and sent his son to save us. God can bring healing and truth to those who are hurt that want us to live the truth about how he created us and why we are. Also keep it kind when you speak to them. Make sure to let them know that God loves us all. God loves men who are actually struggling with transgenderism and loves women who are struggling with transgenderism. But he hates the sin. God, because he loves them, he wanted their best interest. He wanted them to repent. He wanted them to take pride and to glory in their own gender. You can say to the to your class, let us pray for those who are gender confused so that can heal them. 
and also affirm them. What do you mean by affirm? Let them pray and say, I am so glad that you God made me a girl. I am happy that you created me a boy. And ask them question, what is good about being a girl? What is good about being a boy? The last point, how can we equip them to respond to non-Christian about this topic? If the people actually, they don't believe in the scripture as the absolute truth. We should know, if we don't agree on the source of the truth, then the discussion will be a foolish discussion, useless discussion. And St. Paul told us, foolish, you avoid foolish discussion. Why should I discuss this with something? I think the first point, we need to speak about who is the truth. And what is the truth? Where can I can find the truth? And then you need to demand, teach your children to demand respect to their belief system and their integrity. Teach them to speak up and to demand respect to my belief system. I think it is a constitutional right. You need to respect my belief system. You need to respect my integrity. I cannot answer something against my integrity. This means I am not a good citizen. You need actually to challenge the other person to search for the truth. Person who's not Christian and trying to question me or pressure me, the challenge here how to search for the truth. Question here, and some of us who don't pay attention to some children who are poor or yani, overweight, etc. And these uh, people or these children feel excluded. Again, as I said, we need to offer love and respect and acceptance and care for everyone, especially these isolated groups. They need support, they need love, they need acceptance. The church should be a therapeutic, healthy environment. Our churches, our Sunday schools should be healthy, therapeutic environment. Again, when newcomers come, sometimes they have difficulty to fit in. They, they exclude them. We need to teach our children how to be loving, how to be hospitable, how to be accepting. All these make the church healthy and therapeutic. In glory be to God, forever and ever. Amen.